Welcome to the Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. This is the place to learn how to make a big impact in your community through grant writing and nonprofit consulting. The world needs you to step forward as a grant writer and use your skills to lead with confidence. I'm Teresa Huff, former special ed teacher turned grant writer and nonprofit strategist. In my 20 years of freelancing, I've helped nonprofits triple their funding and exponentially increase their reach. Now I'm stepping up to mentor freelancers and nonprofit leaders like you who are ready to take your skills to the next level. It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Hey friends, thanks for joining me today. This is episode 23 of Grant Writing Simplified, and I'm your host, Teresa Huff. One of the things I've enjoyed most about this podcast is getting to know other grant writers and nonprofit leaders and seeing the work that you're doing in your communities. I love hearing your stories and seeing the impact that you're making. Today, I want to introduce you to a really unique nonprofit. In all my years of doing this, I have never seen this kind of nonprofit before. I'm interviewing Joel and Danae Key of Saber Life Foundation. This foundation stemmed from a long health journey with their daughter that finally culminated in getting her a service dog. And that became the catalyst for starting Saber Life Foundation. So now Saber Life Foundation is connecting families and service dogs. Just in this short time that we visited, I learned a lot about service dogs and the process and the training that they go through just to match up the family with a dog. Listen in and be blessed by their story. You can find out more about them and read their whole story at saberlifefoundation.org. Joel and Danae, welcome. Glad to have you on the show today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Uh, first, I'm Joel Key. I'm from Northwest Arkansas. We live here in Southwest Missouri now for 10 years. All right. Well, I am Danae Key, and I am a mom of three girls still living at home. One of the founders of Saber Life Foundation. Tell us about Saber Life Foundation. You have quite the compelling story of how this came about and of what you're doing now. First, give us a little bit of background. Well, from when we, before we came a nonprofit, uh, my husband and I actually worked with people with disabilities, young and old. And that just kind of struck a passion of ours. Not only did we later on start getting diagnosis with our daughter that, you know, we eventually knew something was going to have to give. She has many diagnoses that just kind of added and kept adding and until there was one day in fifth and sixth grade, she had a science teacher that brought her son's service dog to school. And it was an instant bond while they were at school. He took care of her. She took care of him. And so at that point, she said, um, whenever their female was old enough to breed, they wanted to breed and gift Gracie a service dog. Well, they wanted to give her a puppy to become a service dog. Right. They could kind of grow up together. Right. Right. You know, life kind of got in the way. Then two years later, finally, we have a puppy. And it was kind of a realization set in that, oh, it's here. Now we've got to pay for the training. 
So at that point, we made the decision that we would start making dog treats in our home and we would start fundraising and educating and advocating and fundraising with local events that we would attend and just start having the community to help us to be able to pay for this service dog. Service dogs training by no means is pocket change. It is very expensive, even just without the dog. Having to be funded for a dog, then train the dog. Luckily, our daughter was gifted her dog. So that kind of helped in our aspect of already having the dog gifted to us. So we had decided the more and more that we were doing local events and, you know, talking with our community and just different businesses around, we had so many people. There wasn't one event that I can think of that there weren't tears being shed because somebody either knew somebody or they needed a a service dog. So at that point, we had come to a point in realization of the closer that we got to being able to pay off our daughter's service dog and his training, that we wanted to give back to our community and give back to those people that helped us to put her service dog through training. So pay it forward. And pay it forward to help those in need. So that's what we did. Uh, once we paid off his training, we started our nonprofit named after her service dog, Saber. And there's kind of a a story behind the name Saber. Before he came home, she had come up to me and she says, Mom, I think I've got a a name for my dog. And she said, I think I want to call him Saber because he's going to be like my lifesaver. So that's where that originated from is his name was Saber from that point on. So that's where our nonprofit started with Saber Life, like save a life. So cool. And now... Our first year in, we're, we're not even a year in. We actually started our nonprofit approved and 501c3 was granted back in March of this year. So we're not even a year in. We've already placed three dogs. Awesome. It's very, very heartwarming. We've signed these contracts and we have met with these families and the individuals that are in need. We turn into bawling messes just because... It's so heartwarming. You just feel that connection with these people and you see and you know because you've been in those footsteps, walking those footsteps with our own family. They're just so thankful that we couldn't have done this. We look back ourselves and we were in those shoes. We couldn't have done it either without people feeling that they wanted to help. We wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for those people as well. That's what makes it so meaningful to you and to those families you know what they're going through and you know how life-changing it'll be for them. Absolutely. With even just the first couple of months, the honeymoon started wearing off and now we're working and we're training and we're learning. And I tell you what, it was just amazing to see the huge change in our daughter. That was exactly what she needed was her service dog. That not only gave her the responsibility, but it built her confidence that she was able to walk through the grocery store or through the hardware store and just, I've got this, you know, I don't have to be standing next to mom and dad and can't talk for myself or I can't ask for help. It was, you know, I'm walking around with my head up high and I have my confidence. I've got my dog and that's all I need. So from there on out, it's just been an amazing journey. And we just wanted to give back and give other people the same. That's going to open a lot of doors for her. 
just having that step. Absolutely. That's incredible. That's so cool. So did you have formal training for the dog? Did you have someone come in or is this all just her working with him? We were introduced to a trainer that comes to the home twice a week, gives you the homework to work on. You're the handler. You have to do the work. It, It was a very interesting turnaround once he started coming. And I think that's where she started building so much more confidence that she is not just responsible for this dog, but look at what I did. We're a team. And when mom says something, he listens. We work as a team. She's built something she can be really proud of. Absolutely. It's definitely a confidence builder. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think that would be so much better having the dog there and having the trainer come to you. Oh, Absolutely. Depending on the task, training can be anywhere from eight months to 18 months. And depending on the dog. Some dogs take longer to train than others. And it's not a breed. The breed's a little bit different, but there's some dogs that are highly intelligent in a breed, and then there's some dogs that's not so lucky. Or they just don't catch on as quickly as some of the others. Right. Is there a certain breed that works better for this type of thing? It's more about what the need is. So per se that you have someone with stability problems that they're not able to walk very well, or they need someone to hold them up when standing long periods of time. Our taller dogs, which is what we generally use as the hyperallergenic dogs, which are like the Labradoodles or the Golden Doodles. um, We use a lot of those for specifically that or for say that we have, you know, a runner that's an autistic child, they're able to use those legs, those long, strong legs to be able to anchor them, keep them from running. Um, We use labs for that as well. So it's kind of a a mixed breed, but I would say probably our labs and our Labrador and our um, Godon doodles and Labradoodles is probably Mm -hmm. what we generally use. Interesting. And those tend to have good personalities oh, yeah. as a general rule. Right. Now, our trainer, our trainer is the one that picks out those dogs. He's been doing this for 30 plus years. He knows what to look for in a dog. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing what he sees. Right. He's, he's looking for certain things that stand out to him in a puppy that, that would make a good dog. So, That's interesting. So it's really kind of like matching the need with, the type of dog too. Right. Very true. Right. Hmm. I see service dogs, but I don't know a lot about them. I haven't interacted with one close up. So this is really fascinating. We were the same way before we started even researching service dogs or different tasks that they can do. Honestly, I thought, you know, like a CNI dog or something along that sort or that line was the only type of service dog there was. And then our daughter, she came to us one day after she realized that she was getting a puppy and she had been looking at YouTube videos and she was like, oh my gosh, dad, look at this. Like what these dogs can do. And it was, it was cool. Yeah. It's definitely been a huge learning curve for us, but it's been an amazing journey for us as well, because not only did our trainer train our daughter's service dog, but he has come on board with us with our foundation that he trains our dogs. It's just been an amazing journey from day one, you know, being able to 
provide what our daughter needed as a service dog and walk that journey with her, with the trainer and just continue on utilizing all of that aspect into giving back to other people and doing the same for them. Right. And you know that you're providing that good quality and that trainer, you know what type of work he's going to be doing with the family. So you can trust that that's going to be a good result for them. What's the time frame of all this that it's come about? Well, um, we actually had Saber from the time that he was 10 months old. It Mm -hmm. took him about nine months to train last year, 2019. Yeah. Okay. So you've only been at this for just over a year. Yeah. Wow. yeah. He was actually one of the dogs that we placed with a veteran able to take care of Saber. That's probably good for both of them. Oh, absolutely. Well, and how that that story ended with another amazing blessing in itself because not only were we in the transition of rehoming Saber with someone that had disabilities that needed a service dog we were also in the same process of transitioning another service dog in for our daughter. You know, kids are resilient. They surprise us so much. And maybe that was good for her just to have that small, happy transition. Right. Amos, her new service dog, couldn't be a better fit. They are like two peas in a pond. And we still had Saber whenever we started the foundation. That's where it began. That's where it began. Tell us more about the foundation. And it sounds like you've come quite a ways in a short time since you just got approved this year. You've accomplished quite a bit already. We have, especially with funds that it takes to be able to have a service dog, period. We have placed three dogs this year and one of those being Saber. We have an application process that uh, we have placed on our website that where people can go and they can read our stories, see what we're about, where we've come from, where it started. We don't have any communication unless they choose at that point that they just want to fill out the application, be put on the waiting list, or see where we are to try to get them help. And at that point, we come together as a board to make a decision of what is the best fit. Is this individual the next placement for this current situation that we have. And then we reach out to our clients and we let them know that, you know, we received your application and this is where you are. And it just goes from there. It's very interesting because our last client, they are some amazing people. She had a conversation with our trainer. Somebody had told her to call our trainer and he in turn told her, I've got a foundation that may be able to help you. And then within five days, they were getting a service dog. It's, it's so amazing because they've got a two-year-old oh that God. is autistic. He doesn't have any known boundaries. He has no fears. He's nonverbal. So living life is very scary. The safety would be such a concern. It is. Going to the grocery store. You know, they live on a schedule. And it's been so rough. But to hear her tell her story... It just gives you chills. They have been an amazing family to work with. They met their dog. He was six weeks old the day that they met him. And it's just been amazing since. That's so rewarding. It is. To see that. It is. It is. And to have that success. Their dog is actually in a foster home being trained right now. 
with what they have going on and how we have decided to do this is we will train the dogs first and then place them in the home and then the trainer will continue to come to the home and work with them and the dog for a short period of time afterwards. So you kind of jumpstart the process. Exactly. Right. So that way, whenever the dogs do go home and they are placed, our dogs don't live in kennels. We have our, our fosters that they're living in a home environment that they understand when they go to a new home that this is where I'm at. I am trained and these are the tasks that I need to be trained for. And our trainer still goes to their homes to train the handler, not the dog. That helps with the transition, I'm sure, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are still able to come and see and visit with their dogs in the meantime. So you mentioned earlier about, you know, kind of the traditional, what you think of the seeing eye dog and some of those traditional tasks. So what are some other more unusual things the dogs might be trained for? Oh, there's a number of things. There's anxiety, PTSD, high blood pressure, low blood pressure. Diabetes. Diabetes, seizure alert, allergy, like a food allergy or peanut allergy or something like that. Dogs can detect it and alert the patient before they eat something or walk into a store or something like that. Mm, That's so incredible that they have that instinct. Oh, yeah. If you've managed to do all this so far, that's amazing. How have you done this much and what are your fundraising goals or strategies that you're doing right now? How are you making this happen? We have literally lived day in and day out making dog treats in my kitchen okay. and selling them oh, yeah. at local events. And the way that we see that, you know, we're not just out fundraising to help fund the next person, but we're educating and advocating at the same time because there's so many people you just have no idea. Just even in our fundraising before we started our nonprofit that people would walk up to Saber and just try to pet him. They're uneducated. They don't know. And so we're not just fundraising. We're educating and, and advocating for those people that can't advocate for themselves. I think people are drawn to support a cause for something like that. There's that deeper connection too, that it makes them feel good to support a bigger picture like that. Absolutely. And that's just all learning from the nine months prior to starting our nonprofit, that that was a lot of lessons under our belt going into starting a nonprofit, that this is something that was needed. A service dog is not a want, it's a need. And for us to be able to educate people, that's what we stuck with is making our homemade dog treats and selling them and educating people as they shop. Do you sell them online? I'm sure our listeners are wondering. We do sell online and we ship. (laughs) We have six different flavors and they're... It's our best sellers. It's our best sellers. All six. Stick with what works. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's another learning curve that the nine, eight, nine months that we were fundraising with Saber, we were making 13 to 20 different flavors and it was just kind of weeding out, you know, what do people want? Putting two and two together, what what works? It's like a business. You figure out what works and what doesn't. You let the market tell you what they want and then you cater to that. Absolutely. (laughs) Which the market being your dogs, but (laughs) (laughs) right. That's really fascinating. I love that story. So what's next for you? And where are you headed with this? Oh my goodness. Okay. So 
we all know that 2020 has not been the best year for anybody. (laughs) And so I've been kind of struggling and battling with that myself. Not only the fact that knowing why we're doing what we're doing is to give back and help. How do we best do that going into 2021? The way 2021 looks right now, we're going to be trying something new. We're going to be creating our own first annual event that we will continue to do every year. We're planning to do a dog jog. We've planned to start doing some different kind of fundraising and and just kind of looking outside of the box. Bigger options that will be able to reach more people than what we have currently been doing for the last nine months. You've done a lot in nine months. We have. And you can only do so much at a time. So I think that's a good way to start expanding. Yes, you're making these and it's working well, but then to expand, you can start adding. Right. And the way you said was a good way to do it. You don't want to do everything at once, but if you really strategically map out what's the next right thing for this year and then long-term can look at some other things too, to grow that. And that's where we are. Our first year goal was to place three dogs and we accomplished that. In nine months. In nine months. Yes. But (laughs) we are those people that we have such a passion about what we do that we want to be able to help everybody that we possibly can and not turn anybody away. So that's where we have to start rethinking. You know, we have 2021, we have the whole year. How are we going to make it a big year? So that's where we are. Yeah. And I have a feeling with a start like this, it's just going to go crazy from here. I think it's really going to grow. I'm hoping. That's the plan. (laughs) Well, as we wrap up, what is a resource that has been meaningful to you throughout this whole process? I personally have to say that telling people that service dogs are a need and not a want carries so much weight. And has really opened a lot of people's eyes whenever you start explaining what exactly does that mean. From our experience, being able to explain what that looks like, it has so much weight to that. When people start looking at medical conditions and the things that these people need, it's outside of the box. Generally, most people don't start thinking, okay, well, you know, well, let's start looking at service dogs. These service dogs are medical equipment and they're priceless. So that's probably become one of my favorite quotes of all time is to be able to not just say these dogs are a need and not a want, but be able to have something to, to share. And it carries so much weight just by itself. The tangible result that you see. Exactly. Right. And to think of it as medical equipment, I've never thought of it that way before, but it really kind of is. It's a piece of their arsenal that they need to take care of themselves. Exactly. You know, so you think about a person say, you know, that's a diabetic and they're sleeping and their sugar drops. They have no idea. And they wouldn't wake up to know. Exactly. Exactly. And these dogs are medical alert dogs. They will alert and they save somebody's life. These people need these dogs to save their lives. I think the more you tell your story, that's what's going to really connect with people and start getting through and educating, like you said. Until you actually see it firsthand, Mm -hmm. it it changes your mind. Right. I 
feel like your story is really going to resonate with a lot of people. And I hope people will go to your website and read the full story of the journey that brought you to this point. We've really, we barely touched on that, but my <laughs> goodness, the things you've been through <laughs> you know, for all those years. Social media sites too. We're on Instagram and Facebook, Saver Life Foundation. Well, I will definitely link to all of that in the show notes so people can connect and look up pictures, educate. And if someone listening, if this resonates, share with a friend that you know that needs it. And I think this could be life-changing for a lot of families. So Even if it's somebody you don't think that needs it, share it because they might know somebody that does. Exactly. Right. And that's how it spreads. Exactly. All it takes is that one person. You know, our trainer, he travels wherever. He'll go wherever is needed. He's got a passion like I've never seen for what he does. That's the kind of partner you need on board. Especially for as long as he's been doing it. He's just as passionate about it now as he was when he started. And it shows. Yeah, that makes all the difference. And he knows the results that it'll bring. Exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for all of this and for taking the time to share. What an incredible story. And I, I love the fact as much as anything that I know from reading your story how hard this journey has been for you, but you've turned that around and you are using that to do so much good in so many other families' lives and it's just making a world of difference. And that's kind of the whole point of this. Yep, absolutely. And that's been our intent since we started seeing how many people were in need before starting the foundation. And we're doing exactly what we set out to do. Keep at it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Are you ready to learn more? Head to TeresaHuff.com where you'll find resources for grant writers and nonprofit leaders to help you maximize your impact. If you love this show and you learn something new about being the type of grant writer the world needs so you can create a ripple in your community, please go leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts today. Thanks for listening. Now go change your world.